But nine times out of 10, when we analyze all these different mutual funds they own within all these different accounts, what we find is those mutual funds are buying the same companies. Puzzles go by a lot of names. Jigsaws, crosswords, sudokus, brain teasers, brain bashers, brain knitters, knotters, and bucklers. You get the idea. On this show, we deal with financial puzzles. Your host is Money and Clarity Certified Financial Planner, Nikki Early. It's time for the show. Let's put the pieces together. Well, hello there and welcome to another edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle Podcast. Walter Storholt alongside Nikki Early, Certified Financial Planner and a partner with Money and Clarity, serving you throughout Cincinnati and the surrounding areas. You can find us online by going to moneyandclarity.com. Nikki, great to be with you once again on the show this week. How have things been for you the last few weeks through this pandemic crisis stay at home order life that we're all living now <laughs> well for me it hasn't been as um interrupted i guess for as others i've been coming to the office most every day and in fact starting this week we're just open full time again believe it or not i'm actually meeting with a few clients here and there that aren't afraid to come in so we are just open for business all is normal just uh, to be able yeah. to kind of get life back to normal a little bit for you. Yeah, I certainly uh, I have a 13 year old daughter, a 17 year old son, and a husband at home. So it's nice for me to go into the office. Yeah, especially to get away from them just a little bit here and there. Just a little. I love them. <laughs> love them, but not that much. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. Well, I'm uh, excited to chat with you and glad to hear that things are well in the early household. And on today's show, we're going to spend some time talking about our biggest assets and are you paying enough attention to your biggest assets in your portfolio and now is really kind of a good time to take stock in those big assets because i'm sure a lot of people right now nikki are kind of evaluating their situation all of us are kind of finely tuned right now into what's happening in the world and especially when it comes to our finances with unemployment numbers being up and just everybody worried about the market and stocks and what the future holds there and so let's address some of these things that sometimes maybe get taken for granted or overlooked as part of that financial puzzle that people need to obviously be thinking about. And is it possible you should be putting a little bit more thought and emphasis into some of these other assets? So I think probably, Nikki, you would agree, maybe the uh, most overlooked thing for a lot of people is an old 401k or something like that, a 401k for maybe a past company, perhaps? Well, even their current 401ks, Walter. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think for most, just logging into their retirement account, the website is a little bit overwhelming. A lot of times it's almost like reading a foreign language, one that you don't understand. You know, investing, it can be really difficult to understand. And really, as Americans, we are in charge of our retirement. We're in charge of the investments that we're choosing within our retirement. So if we're just blindly picking those, it's really going to affect your overall success. What you're invested in is going to determine what you have when you retire. And you know, I just read this article probably a week or so ago, and it was kind of scary. About 42% of us don't know what we're investing in. So again, very, very scary. Now, chances are, if you're listening, then you are 
likely a client of ours. And one of the services that we do provide to our clients is to help them choose the investments within their 401ks. So we try to pick the mutual funds and align them with the original strategy that we had when we did their planning. Now, sometimes that's easy and sometimes it's not as easy because a lot of the different plans, for instance, may not have very many options or the options that they do have could potentially be, let's say, maybe the expense ratios of their mutual funds are high or the mutual funds within the plan are actively managed. So, you know, ultimately, we got to do the best we can with what they offer. But we certainly, again, look to realign them with the strategy we put in place. And then um, one other thing on this is it's really important, you know, again, once we do all this work and we help you choose those investments, it's important that you remember to rebalance. So typically most company sites have like just a, a check mark that you can choose to have your portfolio rebalanced, whether it's either annually, semi-annually or quarterly. But we certainly don't want to forget about that. So be very specific about the investments you're choosing within your plan. And then also remember to go back and rebalance every so often. It's a great point. Some good suggestions for the 401k, and you make a good clarifying point there too, whether it's an old 401k left at a prior company or even your current one that you're using. Definitely find out more about that. Pay more attention to that asset. Do you remember choosing the investments within your no, first 401k? Not at all. I and know. It, I don't I don't it, even know what I chose at the time. It was pretty funny because during the initial crash from the pandemic, I had some family members sending me questions. And one in particular was like, I don't even know how to log in. They were like, I've never logged in once. I don't even right. know how I would go. And I don't keep the statements. I throw them away. I don't even look at them. So they, were yep. like, they didn't even know their account number to then be able to create an online account. So you know, I was like, after some chastising, you know, we got things straightened <laughs> away at that after that. But yeah, it just goes to show you that a lot of people are on autopilot and you're not alone in that case. A right. lot of people are like that. So that's big. Another big asset, and this one is both big from a physical standpoint, as well as a financial one, is your house. Now, how are people maybe overlooking that asset or not giving it enough attention? Well, a lot around this one is going to depend on your current situation, whether the individual or the couple, whether it makes sense to downsize in retirement, for instance. And there's a lot of questions that you would want to answer before making that decision. So like, for instance, is the home paid off? Or are you still paying on a mortgage? Maybe there's a significant amount of equity available to purchase another home, or how dare I say it, a significant amount of equity to pay rent for a long time in retirement. And I know there's probably people out there listening that are like, what did she just say? Did she really just say we should rent in retirement? You know what, Walter, sometimes it actually makes sense. I don't know about you, but not having to pay property taxes or maintain a property, you know, doesn't sound so bad. So again, there's lots of things to think about, but the bottom line is going to be cash flow. Is it going to help or hurt your cash flow situation in retirement? Really, at the end of the day, we want to make sure that we have enough money to do the things we want. So by selling your home, and I'm going to use quotes in the air, even though you can't see me, and downsizing. So again, selling, a lot of people say this, oh, Nikki, we're going to downsize. Well, they may be downsizing by square footage, but often not 
expensive wise, you know, the expenses that they're going to incur. There are, I know for certain, a lot of very expensive patio homes here in the Cincinnati area that retirees like to move into. So even though, again, you're downsizing square footage, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily downsizing the expense. And then, you know, you could ultimately be creating a cash flow issue where you're having less to live off of. It's interesting to think about that. You know, my folks are in that kind of uh, realm of all of a sudden thinking, well, maybe we don't need to. I mean, I think they'll still end up buying and owning a home in retirement, but they definitely, it's been interesting to watch that transition over the years. Dad, somebody who always does everything around the house and would never really think of hiring anybody, you know, more and more has gone, you know, I am getting tired of the yard upkeep and the this and that, and, you know, kind of would yield to maybe not having to take on some of those responsibilities. So Yeah. And there's also some emotional thoughts that come into play here. I know that there's a lot of clients that we have that don't want to give up the big home because it's a gathering spot for their families. And, you know, the grandchildren come over and spend the night or they host big holiday parties. So there's a lot that comes into play when making that decision. But ultimately, I think, you know, creating a cash flow that provides you to be able to do the things that you want to do in retirement is very important. Yep, very important indeed. Another element here as we talk about the biggest assets, are we paying enough attention to them in our financial lives, would be Social Security. Kind of another one of those things that sort of sits on autopilot and we don't check very often. Yeah, I'll tell you what, a crystal ball would be really good in making this decision because the fact of the matter is we don't know how long we're going to live. If we knew our expiration date, this decision would be super, super easy. We all know, obviously, that the longer you wait, the larger your benefit's going to be. So just to throw some numbers at you. If your full retirement age is 66 and you start receiving your benefit at age 62, then you're going to get 25% less than if you had waited. Likewise, again, if you wait until you're age 70, depending on your age, you're going to get 24 or 32% more. So it's a big decision for sure. I will say in most cases, when clients are getting ready to retire, if, and this is a big if, if they need the income, then we're going to go ahead and recommend that they turn that spigot on and start taking the benefit. And the reason being is that, you know, if you're waiting, you're spending down your retirement assets in lieu of taking that benefit in hopes that you're going to get the higher benefit, you know, later on. But you can't give your Social Security benefits to your children when you die. You know, they can't inherit them. But they certainly can inherit any money that's left over when you die. So, again, in most cases, we're going to say if you need the income, then go ahead and start taking the benefit. If you wait, and again, you're pulling money every month from your portfolio for extra income that you would have had from the Social Security, you know, that's gone. And you have to live a certain number of years in order to make up for those checks that you weren't receiving while you waited. So again, big consideration. If you could tell me when you were going to die, I could tell you definitively, you know, when to start taking it. But unfortunately, we just don't know that information. Well, fortunately, or unfortunately, I guess. Yeah, yeah. No crystal balls available, unfortunately, on this show or anywhere else. So we <laughs> have to deal with the information that we have available in front of us and, and work yep. from there. Something else, are you paying enough attention to your biggest assets? This one's a little nebulous, but I think it's a good one to have on this list as we discuss these, Nikki. And that would be your future savings potential. What do we mean by that? Well, 
we work with a lot of clients that feel really bad that they haven't accumulated as much wealth that they'd like to like at age 50 or 55. You know, they've been spending money on their children, going on vacations, college, you know, so they've been putting a lot of money aside towards those things. But when you get to be age 50, 55, your earning potential has gotten a lot greater. So it does really leave you with some room to catch up for those years maybe when you weren't saving as much as you'd like to. So if you just think about it this way, if you're age 50 and you plan on working, say, till age 65 and, you know, you really start buckling down and saving as much as you can, just a loan in your company's 401k or 403b or retirement plan, typically you're able to contribute up to $26,000 a year. Now, that's two parts. It's a 19.5 that is just the regular contribution you can make. And then again, at age 50, you can do another 6,500. So you can be putting away $26,000 a year just in that account alone. Now, if you do the math and you times that by the additional 15 years of employment, you're talking about $390,000 that you've saved in those years. And that's just, you know, what you've put in. That's not the growth. And then if you're married and you're both working, you can double that. And that's about $780,000 in additional savings that you can do. So like I said, just because you're getting around age 50 and you're feeling bad about the fact that you haven't saved as much as you necessarily liked, you know, you can really make up for it in those final years of work. Future earnings potential, certainly, and savings potential, even a bigger role and something to be thinking about in the future as well. But uh, one more thing to throw in here into the equation, and uh, Nikki, I think this one's interesting as well, the smaller accounts that we all have. Again, I talked about family members on this show. It was kind of interesting how many of them had these like little smaller accounts. And then I looked at my own finances like, oh, yeah, I got a few of those where you (laughs) had a little traditional IRA over here, a little Roth over here, another Roth over here. And you're kind of like, okay, so these things aren't really they're just kind of sitting there, not really working cohesively. And they you don't pay much attention to them because they're all these smaller accounts. But if you combine them all together, it'd be a little bit bigger deal to then work with. So do you see those getting overlooked? Oh, yeah. And there are so many good reasons to combine those accounts. I mean, first, just making life simpler. I mean, when you have a bunch of little accounts sitting out there, think of all the different account statements, the uh, different trade confirmations, the different websites with the different logins and the different passwords. I mean, just for ease alone, you know, it might be worth it to combine those. You know, and then as we get older, a lot of times it's just a mess for your family after you pass when you have multiple accounts sitting around. So do them a gift and combine things early so you don't have to worry about it later. So that's one reason. Another one is it is easy, like you said, if you've got these multiple smaller accounts sitting around and you notice that, say, an account with about $10,000 in it hasn't been performing well and you think, ah, that's just a small percentage of my portfolio, does it really matter? Well, yeah, it does, because it is a percentage of your portfolio. So you want to make sure that everything you own is living up to its earning potential. 
And then last but not least, and I see this a lot when we're doing planning with potential new clients, is they feel really good because they have multiple accounts. So with, you know, Fidelity, Vanguard, whoever, and that those accounts have multiple different mutual funds in them. It makes them feel like they are diversified or that they're not putting all their eggs in one basket. But nine times out of 10, when we analyze all these different mutual funds they own within all these different accounts, what we find is those mutual funds are buying the same companies. So while they have this uh, you know, sense of peace, if you will, that they own all this different mutual funds, they're really not diversified as they think. In fact, most cases, they're being a little bit redundant in what they're purchasing within those accounts. So taking inventory and potentially combining some of those smaller accounts can definitely, definitely be favorable for you. Well, if people need help kind of gathering all this together, I know that a lot of folks that listen to our show, Nikki, are certainly current clients, but a lot of folks stumble across this program as well or listen to this as they've heard about you from other methods, maybe webinars and different things that you and Dan and the team at Money and Clarity have going on. So if somebody's still relatively new to this whole retirement planning and financial planning world, how do you guys as planners step in and assist folks managing all these things and pulling it all together? Well, I think you know just from the conversations that you and I and Dan have had over the years, we truly are a planning firm in that you know we want to look holistically at a potential client's whole situation. So not only are we going to help them and look at how they're currently investing their money and where it is, we're also going to look at what they're trying to accomplish and if what they're doing is going to help them get there. You know, in addition, we work with them and do a lot of other things. We want to make sure that they're saving enough to have the retirement income that they want. We take a look at taxes, make sure that their life insurance is appropriate. We even look at their car and homeowner's insurance to make sure that that's appropriate. We take a look at their estate plan, whether they have wills or power of attorneys in place, um, financial and medical, healthcare directives. So just knowing that we're a holistic firm and that you're not going to come to us and we're just going to say buy this, when we are making recommendations to how you're investing your money, there's a reason behind it and they understand that reason. It's so important, I think, to get that understanding and that education, and that's part of what Nikki and Dan certainly provide each and every day in the office, and each month we get to talk to Nikki here on the podcast about these things as well. So if you've got any questions for Nikki and the team, you can give a call to 513-563-PLAN. That's 513-563-7526, or go online to moneyandclarity.com. Some great resources for you on the website. You can listen to past episodes of the podcast and much more, all there on moneyandclarity.com, your place to go and check out. Well, Nikki, anything else we need to know about uh, these overlooked items, or do we cover the ground well enough I today. think we covered it. I just awesome. hope everybody is well out there and that we all start getting back to life as usual soon. Fingers crossed that we can uh, get to those, get through these different phases that seem to kind of be laid out in front of us and reach some successful conclusions here soon. That's the hope for many, I know. Absolutely. Cool. Well, thank you, Nikki. We really appreciate the time and we'll look forward to joining you again on the next episode. All right. Can't wait. For Nikki Early, I'm Walter Storholt. We'll look forward to talking to you again next time right back here on Solving the Financial Puzzle podcast.
Information provided on today's show is provided for information purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been attained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with an investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Nikki Early is an investment advisor representative of Capril Wealth Coaching, LLC, a registered investment advisor. To obtain a copy of Form ADV and a privacy policy statement, call 800-353-7923.